So we're going to see how good my eyes are today. I forgot my iPad with my notes. So fortunately, I keep a backup file on my phone, but I don't know if you can see that, but that ought to be interesting. Oh, man, I'm excited to get into the Word today. Hello, guys. How are you? Newlyweds? How's married life? Busy. Well, you don't need to share that kind of information. Hey. Ah, uh, I couldn't resist. Sorry. Oh, man. Well, it's great to see you all. And like I said, I'm so excited. I don't know how many of you have been with us for the last few weeks. How many people are enjoying our message series right now, The Power Of? Yeah, it's been awesome. I mean, it's really, I can tell you, it's just been speaking to me, you know, as I've been spending time with the Lord and digging in and just, yeah, just really like taking these different principles in the Bible and the power of, you know, we talked about prayer for the last couple weeks and today we're going to be talking about the power of your thoughts and the mind. And, you know, the way that I want to approach all this is that these aren't just messages that are talking a little bit about some basic parts or elements of these particular subjects, but really kind of overlaying each one of these things with this idea and this truth that we are to live in these ways, in these areas, according to a power, that there's actually something that is powerful that God has put in us, His Holy Spirit, that is meant to influence and affect all of these different parts of our lives. So in our prayer life, it, there can be a dry prayer life or there can be an on fire and powerful prayer life, prayer that's moving mountains. There can be, in our thought life, there can be unhealthy, contaminated types of thoughts or there can be thoughts that are influenced by the Holy Spirit and things that God is doing in our mind to help us to think more like Him. We're going to talk about that, obviously, in depth today. But just hear me out briefly that Again, if you haven't been with us for all of these weeks, that the, the whole heart behind this series is that when we read in the Bible multiple times, but specifically in the book of Ephesians chapter 3, we've, we've hit on that every week, the Bible says that God is able to do exceedingly and abundantly more than we can think or ask. If you just stop right there, that phrase in itself should grab us, right? Wow, I serve a God that can do exceedingly and abundantly beyond what I even have the capacity to think for, to ask for, to dream for, to desire, right? And we have obviously things that God puts in us, desires and hopes and dreams and purpose and destiny. And that's amazing. And that leads us, it should push us forward into God's plan, but he's saying he has plans and things for us that are even greater and beyond what we can possibly conceive on our own. So God is able to do exceedingly abundantly more than we can think or ask. And then the second part of that statement that you have to grab with it is that it says, according to what? The power that works in us. And the word power is, it means the actual work, miraculous power, miraculous working nature and ability of God that's moving through us. Now, that's a statement, that's a truth that I don't know about you, but I can't ever get away from. When, I, when I'm reading the Bible or living my life or whatever it is, it's like, what are you to do with a statement like that once you've received it and once that's taken root? When you realize, my gosh, you know, I've meant to live and walk in a way where there's a full power, the same power 
It says the same spirit that raised Christ from the dead is the same spirit that lives in you. I mean, that's profound. That means the full working power of God actually resides in us if we know Jesus and the Holy Spirit's there to do things in us and through us that would considerably change the outcome, I would say transform the environment all around us. That transformation is huge because when we are walking in this world, we're actually a part of a kingdom that's this world, but we are citizens of a different kingdom, and we're to live in alignment with the principles of the heavenly kingdom so we can be in this world but not of the world. And so then when we walk according to the power that was working in us, we're actually bringing transformational change. We're, we're colliding with the world's kingdom and we're unleashing heaven's kingdom and allowing the truths of that kingdom to basically pervade and transform all of the, in, the situations and scenery around our lives. And that's what we want. That's what we're called to do. That's why Jesus spoke so much about the kingdom kingdom of heaven is near. The kingdom of heaven has come. He's introducing the kingdom. He already brought it, and now it's here living inside of us, and we are compelled, we are called by the scriptures to live each and every day in consistency and in alignment with that kingdom, not the kingdom that's of this world that we just happen to be walking in for a period of time as visitors before we go home to our final uh, resting, our final place, our final home, which is in heaven with Jesus forever, right? So this power. So let's talk about thoughts today. And Thoughts are a, a huge thing. The way that we think, the thoughts that we have, they affect so many parts of our lives. I read a study one time, and the I don't know, scientific study or whatever, and they said between the conscious mind and the subconscious mind, the average person has roughly 50,000 like independent thoughts per day. Isn't that amazing? I mean, that's like constantly, like nonstop, 50,000 thoughts roughly per day. Now, I want to sort of build a foundation for this this morning of like how thoughts continue to affect our lives and ultimately will affect our purpose and our destiny. And then what God says in his word about how we can actually uh, control our thoughts and we we would steward our thoughts so put it that way steward our thoughts so that we can actually uh see the purposes of god f come forth in a more full manner in fullness because the way that our thoughts are are being controlled some people don't realize that that you can control your thoughts they think that they're just you know you can't help the way that you think and there's a lot of scientific studies that have been done about thoughts, and there's a lot of psychological uh, teaching and, and self-help stuff. And to, to some degree, all of those things can really help people, I will say that, because they can get us thinking in the right way. They can get us thinking down the right track. But there is an element to this. There is a, a, an undergirding, a foundation, if you will, that we have to get a hold of that comes out of the word of God, that comes out of the truth of the scriptures, that if we don't take all of that teaching and all that advice about think positive and self-help and think good thoughts, and if we don't 
put that on top of the foundation of what we see the Word of God really says about our minds and our thoughts, then it never can really become all that God wants it to be in our lives. Are you with me? So think about that. Am, am I stewarding my thoughts in the way that God would have me to? So let's open our Bibles first to Philippians chapter 4. Philippians chapter 4, verse 8. You guys have heard that statement before where it says, you know, uh, you become what you think about, right? And then there's that story of the guy who heard that statement and said, no, that, that can't be true because if it were, I would have become a woman a long time ago, right? <laughs> Some of you thought that was funny. You did. Oh, all right. Moving on. All right. Philippians chapter 4, verse 8. Paul writes this. He says, Finally, my brethren, whatever things are true, whatever things are noble, whatever things are just, and whatever things are pure, whatever things are lovely, whatever things are of good report, if there is anything virtuous in them, if there is anything praiseworthy, meditate on these things. Meditate think deeply on these things. Several things to draw out of this scripture. First of all, he's addressing the quality of our thoughts. He's saying, if there's anything virtuous, praiseworthy, just, all of these, obviously, these wonderful attributes and characteristics, think on them and think often and think deep on them. So he's saying the quality of what you think about is very important. If you recognize that there is the, the quality of just or the quality of praiseworthy or of virtue or of any of these things in your life around you, then you need to spend time thinking on them. You need to spend time letting those thoughts kind of saturate your mind. And don't just like think in a passing way, but think deeply on them. Think about them in a way that allows those, the quality of those thoughts to enrich your thought life. You know, the, in, in farming, probably not so much now, but years back, there was the concept of you, you had to have a pure seed. If you had a pure seed, then you could actually have a pure crop, right? That was like untainted. It wasn't um, all these different I guess, combinations of the gene codes on down through the line of the seed and whatnot. And so you get, you know, a crop that would be a product of that contaminated seed. But a pure seed, if you have that, was very valuable. And you would sow that seed and you would grow that crop and then you would keep those seeds and continue to sow more of those to continue to have that pure type of harvest. So he's saying, listen, the things that you think about, the quality of those thoughts is basically enriching, it's fertilizing, it's, it's nurturing the uh, garden of your thought life. The more you think about things that are virtuous, that are praiseworthy, that are just, the more you're going to recognize those things in the scenery of your life when you look around. I would, I would submit to you that in all of our lives, there are a multitude of things that have these qualities in them around us, but many times we are not seeing them when we're looking at a situation, we're actually seeing something different. 
we're seeing something limiting or we're seeing something debilitating or we're seeing something that is hard or difficult or that is provoking perhaps sadness or anguish. But in the same scene, in the same setting, if our mind is trained to look for and see and recognize the qualities that are virtuous, that are just, that are praiseworthy and all these other things, then we will actually see a different part of the situation that we can then begin to accentuate, can focus on, and then meditate and think deeper on. And as a result, the quality of our thoughts will just continue to be enriched. Are you with me? So the mind is, is not an idle thing. Like the, if you're thinking close to 50,000 thoughts per day, you know, the mind is not like a machine that you turn on and that you turn off. And then sometimes you just press pause and nothing is happening, right? I mean, we like kids are watching a movie and they just kind of keep turning the volume up, keep turning the volume up and it's louder and louder. Enough, turn it off. And then it's dead. It's done. You can't just shut the mind off. It's, it's not an idle machine. It's always moving. It's always working. Which is why I use the word stewardship of your thoughts, because your mind is always traveling down some road. It's always traveling down some path. Even in your subconscious while you sleep, your mind is having thoughts. And so what we need to do is we need to take up responsibility for being the stewards of our mind and of our thoughts, this thing that God has given us, so that we can control it and aim it and lead it in the right direction. Are you with me? I don't know if you ever remember, if you watched a movie, I don't know, I think it was back in the 80s or 90s, but it was a movie called Speed, and, uh, you know, Keanu Reeves, some of you guys are like, who is that? Yeah. Yeah. We know our age group, I guess, here. Anyway, so in the movie, there was like a bomb on the bus, and he had to keep it moving at, I don't know, 55 miles an hour or 60. If he slowed down below that, remember, boom, the bomb went off. So what was his challenge? His challenge was like, this bus is never going to stop moving, so I have to aim it and steer it in the right direction to go in the safe and favorable places. If I go in the wrong direction, then that's going to obviously present great harm and great tragedy. So our minds, I think of it a lot like that, like they're always traveling, they're always moving in a direction. We can't stop that. All we can do is steward it and, and control where it's headed and the quality of the path that it's going down. Are you with me? That's why the Bible says, it says uh, in the book of Proverbs that he who doesn't rule his own spirit is like a city broken down without walls. So if you're not in control of this, if you're not, you're not the one stewarding your thought life, then it's like the enemy is looking at your mind as a defenseless fortitude, a defenseless city that he can just come right in and walk right in as if there's no walls and no protection even standing there, and he could begin to feed all of the seeds of discord, of all of the bad, unhealthy thoughts right into your mind to get you to start thinking about all the unhealthy things so that he can begin to build up a crop of all unhealthy Fruit and product in your life as a result of the seeds that he's sown in your mind because the city is defenseless, right? So we have power in this, guys. I think you probably know that's where I'm going is that there is a power, there is an authority, there's a principle of heaven's kingdom that we can live by, that we can actually steward our minds in a way that Christ would have us to. In fact, even Jesus, he gave us the perfect example, much like everything else. He talked about 
about, he said, you know, I can't be with you any longer. I'm going to be leaving soon because uh, the enemy of this world is coming. But he said something interesting. He said, but he has nothing in me. Isn't that something? Like he, the enemy was never able to penetrate Jesus's mind. He was never able to sow one corrupt thought in his mind that was conflicting or opposing to what the kingdom of heaven represented. Now, obviously, Jesus is the perfect example, but if we're subscribing to what we've been talking about, the same spirit that raised Christ from the dead is the same spirit that lives in us, then that means that the same power, the same authority and ability that Jesus walked in actually resides in us and that we, too, can steward our minds and our thoughts in much the same way. Are you with me? So he says, he has nothing in me. The Bible also says in the book of Corinthians, it says that we have the mind of Christ. Those that know Christ have the mind of Christ. Another way that that says it is that we possess the mind of Christ. Think about this for a second. So the Holy Spirit lives in us, the full working power and ability of God. And then we have our spirit that they're fellowshipping with, right? And, and so we possess the mind of Christ which means that, that God's mind, his thoughts and his ways can actually influence and become our own thoughts and our own ways. In Isaiah 55, the Bible says, God says, My thoughts are not your thoughts, my ways are not your ways. As heaven is higher than the earth, so are my ways higher than your ways, and my thoughts higher than your thoughts. Well, I don't know about you, when I hear that, I say, and then I pair that up with 1 Corinthians 2.16, where it says, I possess the mind of Christ. So those thoughts and those ways of God that are above the worlds, that are above its kingdom, are actually thoughts and ways that God can give me. I can think and have thoughts that are in alignment and consistent with the way that God thinks and the things that he sees. Are you with me? And guys, listen, if we begin to think like God, if we begin to have thoughts like he has because the mind of Christ is becoming more of our mind, then we will see more clearly the kingdom of heaven and what it, it looks like and how it can be brought forth amidst a clouded, distorted view that the kingdom of the world is trying to present as a picture for us to view things through. But if I have the mind of Christ and I'm thinking the thoughts that are higher than the thoughts of this world, then I can then bring forth God's kingdom principles and truth into my life and that will actually be the reality that I live and walk in, not what the world is trying to cloud my view with. So it's, it, the, the mind is not an idle machine. So think about this. Thoughts as you have them ultimately will lead to actions. We got a little infographic here we're going to put up. Thoughts lead to actions. Let's put that one up first so we can talk about that, the next one. So as we think about things consistently over and over again, ultimately they will manifest themselves out in some form of action. That, you know, If you think about something over and over and over again, eventually you will end up seeing that uh, happen in your life. You will begin acting that out. That's why Jesus was real rigid whenever he was talking to uh, the, his followers. He said, you know, the, the, Moses said that you shouldn't commit adultery, but I say to you that if you even lust after a woman in your heart, if you even think that thought, that you're committing adultery. 
Isn't that interesting? Like Jesus went, he went back before the physical action and he actually addressed the sin issue in the thought life. Do you get that? He said, look, I know we've been talking about action, but I'm going to go back and I'm going to talk about actually in your mind the thoughts that you're having because that's the place you actually need to break the pattern. That's the place where you need to stop that thing from following through because eventually what you think about will ultimately become an action. And so Jesus is saying, listen, you need to get a hold of things in your thought life if you want to have things in control in your actions. You don't necessarily just try to address the actions. You back up and you deal with things in your thoughts, and then that will influence the way that your actions are coming forth. I always thought that was so powerful. Now, actions, as they're repeated over and over again, will lead to habits or behaviors. So these are like repeated actions, right? Things that we continue to do over and over and over again because we've been thinking, and we, our, our frame of mind, our thinking is framed in a certain way, so the thoughts that are traveling through the highway of our thought life in our mind are bringing forth actions that consistently repeat, and then they actually become behaviors or habits in our lives. That's why the Bible says in the book of Proverbs, as a man thinks in his heart, so is he. So if that's what's happening up here, that's consistently the, the quality or the direction that things are going, not only will it be a one-time action, it will actually begin to kind of like calcify, fortify into a, a behavior or a habit. And listen, there are really good habits and there are bad habits. Agreed? I mean, there's, you can go either way with that. So, so what he's saying is, is that you, if you get control of this and you steward this, then this actually is a great power. There's power and authority in this. But if you are led astray or if you're manipulated, or if you're a city that's defenseless because you're not even utilizing the power, you're not applying the power in your life, then you're going to see things that are going to go in the wrong direction. And listen, I think so many times that this is why when people come to know Christ and they get saved and they get born again, but, but then they walk forward because their spirit is reborn, but then they walk forward and they still struggle and have all kinds of issues with so many of the same problems and things that they had before because the thoughts and the way they're seeing and thinking about things isn't, hasn't changed yet along with the way that their spirit has been changed and reborn, right? But, but there's hope, there's good news because the Bible talks to us basically about how to change our thinking and to see our thoughts and our mind essentially rewired more like God's thinking and his thoughts. So thoughts lead to actions, actions lead to behavior, and behavior ultimately leads to lifestyle. Lifestyle, which if I looked up a definition of lifestyle in one of the business dictionaries, and it just says that it's a way of responding to or coping with the physical, the psychological, the emotional, the economic environments around you in your life. So if the thoughts are ingrained, if your thought patterns and your beliefs are all ingrained there, then it becomes a, a lifestyle, and then it essentially, without us even realizing it, it's how we respond, it's how we cope, it's how we deal with and face all the things in our life that are coming at us. And so think about this. Do we want to, what kind of a lifestyle, what kind of a response do we want to have toward the things of this world that we're facing? 
I would suggest to you, you want to have a lifestyle of faith, a lifestyle of power, a lifestyle of belief and of hope, right? That the way we respond, the way that we address and handle things that are coming at us in our lives are all a consistent response that flows out of the truths of heaven's kingdom and not actually that are contaminated or limited by the things of this world that conflict with the word of God. And Jesus demonstrated that perfectly. Now, open your Bibles, if you have them, to Romans chapter 12. So we see this kind of this principle of your thoughts lead to your actions, actions lead to behavior, and leads to lifestyle. And then you, then you take this scripture right here, and it just changes everything. Romans chapter 12, verse 2. It says, do not be conformed to this world, but be transformed by the renewing of your mind that you may prove what is the perfect, good, and acceptable will of God. Do not be conformed, but be transformed by the renewing of your mind. So studies have been done that as we think about things and we have thoughts for so long, consistently, there's called neuropaths that develop in our brain, and there's actually grooves that get formed in our brain from those consistent thoughts over and over again, and that forms what they call a neuropath. So then what that means is that future thoughts that you would begin to have actually will tend to travel down those already existing neural paths. How many people you ever go hiking in the woods and you're walking along and then there's like a trail that's already kind of worn through? You ever done that before? What do you naturally do if you're hiking through the woods and it's thick and it's brushy and then there's a trail that, you know, the dogs or the horse or the kids or whatever have kind of wore through there? You don't really think too much about it, but you just naturally go down that already worn path, that trail, because it's kind of like the path of least resistance. So think about this. If these grooves actually develop in our brains, this neurocircuitry, if you will, that this is like programming from years and years and years of thinking that in many cases was completely opposed to what the word of God would have said. If you're like me and you didn't come to know Jesus until your adult years, that's a whole lot of years of thinking that was more in line with the world's view and the world's system than it was with heavens. So, so I have a dilemma here. I have to see my thinking my thoughts essentially rewired and reconstructed and changed because what's already there is conflicting with what the word of God would actually say. So even though I know Christ and his spirit lives in me, my thoughts are still and my thinking is still in desperate need of continual transformation of renewal and refreshing. Are you with me? So that's why he says, don't be conformed to this world. Conformity is to actually take on the likeness of the outward appearance. So think about that. He's saying that if you, if you don't allow your mind to be transformed and renewed by Christ, 
then you will actually, by default, your thoughts will become conformed, will be shaped, will adhere to the outward appearance, in this case, the kingdom of the world, will actually have more influence on your thoughts and the things that you think about than the kingdom of heaven will. So conformity is a huge issue. It's a danger. He says, don't be conformed, but be transformed by the renewing of your mind. Transformation in the Greek is a word metamorpho, which is the same word that is used to come, that's the same root word that the English word metamorphosis comes from, which is a caterpillar changing states into a butterfly. Think about this. The, ex, the entire uh, characteristics of whatever it is that's being, that's metamorphosis that it's going through is changing entirely. It's not even the same thing after it's done. That's what he's saying that God is going to do, will do with our minds. All of that, all of that wiring, all of those false pretenses and improper views that were shaped by the world's experiences that are conflicting with heaven's kingdom, that God will come forward and in this Holy Spirit will actually begin to transform and renew. Essentially like those grooves in that wiring, he'll begin to change all of that and rewire our minds to be more in line with thinking the way that he thinks. It's such a powerful thing. says that you may prove what is the good and acceptable and perfect will of God. So as you think more like Christ and you think more like God's thoughts or he has, then the life you're living, the actions, the habits, the lifestyle begin to reflect the will of God, the purpose of God, the destiny for your life. Are you with me? So important. We see so much of what happens in our thoughts that is affecting everything else. And, and here's the key. The, the Word of God, the Bible, as we read the Scriptures and the Holy Spirit is living on the inside of us, as we read truth, this is what it does. It comes in and it deconstructs all of those improper worldviews that conflict with the truth of heaven's kingdom. It deconstructs them and it reconstructs a new belief system, a new view that's in alignment with what God says in his word, which is the principles of the kingdom of heaven. Are you with me? That's why if you want to put that last slide up, before you get to thoughts, you actually have your belief system or the way that you view things, the way that your mindset is, that actually influences the thoughts, the kind of thoughts that you're having. So God has given us a solution. He's given us an antidote for this. He's put his Holy Spirit in, in us, and he said, listen, you're going to read my word. You're going to take on, you're going to feast on the truth, and then as you do, the Holy Spirit in you is actually going to rewire, is going to deconstruct all these false views that conflict with the truths of my kingdom and he's going to rewire a new belief system in you, a, a new viewpoint, a new mindset that is in alignment with the way he sees things. And as a result, the quality of your thoughts from that point on are going to be more in alignment and consistent with heaven's kingdom than with the world's. Thus, your actions will be changed, your behavior and your lifestyle, which we could call your purpose and your destiny. 
you want to walk in your fullness of your destiny, then you have to continually have your mind transformed more and more into that mind of Christ. So that the thoughts that you think about, the way that you see things, the way that you respond to things is, the, is close to the way as Jesus would do it as you possibly can. Something comes at you because your thoughts have been rewired and shaped in the right way and you've been thinking on things that are worthy of praise and, and virtue and all that. Then your, your action, your response to those things that you're going to have is going to be automatic, flow out of this place that's been enriched by the truths of heaven's kingdom and not by the world's. And, and that's what we want. But we see many times where people, you know, they love God, but I'm just saying, like, the way that they speak, out of the abundance of the heart, the mouth speaks, right? The way that they speak, it's like, my gosh, I can't imagine what the quality of the thoughts all day long in your mind are. How, how could you ever walk in victory if you're thinking the way I believe you are based on what you're speaking and what you're saying about all these little issues and challenges that you just continue to face? But then you hear people say, Things that are more consistent with God's word, even though they're going through something or they're struggling or having a difficult time, but they speak and they speak from a place of hope, a place of victory, a place of authority and strength and joy and peace. And then you see, wow, you're thinking in line with the kingdom of heaven and not of this world. And I know that ultimately the way you respond and the, and the release of heaven's kingdom in your life that you're going to see is going to bring in, is going to usher in that power and that authority that's in you that God wants to unleash in your situation and transform the environment around you. See, we get transformed in our spirit. And then our mind continually gets transformed into the mind of Christ. And everything that's happening out of us and through us is transforming and changing the atmosphere of our reality around us. We've been talking through this whole series about these two kingdoms. About the kingdom of this world and the kingdom of heaven. And how we're in the world but not of the world. And these two kingdoms are conflicting. They collide. And that's a good thing. We need to run into collision a lot because if we're not, then I would just say, are, are we maybe just conforming then? Because if we're living according to the kingdom of heaven in the world but not of the world, then there should be a lot of collisions that are happening where we're coming against things and we're saying, no, 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 that is not what the word of God says. That is not what the Bible says. That is not what God's kingdom says about who I am or the authority or the power that I have. So we see something in the world and then we recognize the conflict. This is opposing. This is not, this is not re reality for me. I am a citizen of a different kingdom. I live by a different set of principles. My reality is different than what this reality that's staring me in the face and trying to get me to think about and believe actually is. So I want to turn with you to one more place to, to, to drive this home. And this is in 2 Corinthians chapter 10. You guys doing okay out there? You seem a little quiet today. You all right? Everybody all right? Just thinking, right? I'm just thinking. I'm just thinking. Uh, all right, 2 Corinthians chapter 10. Listen to this. You ought to really get excited about this. Verse 3, it says, For though we walk in the flesh, 
We do not war according to the flesh. For the weapons of our warfare are not carnal, but mighty in God for pulling down strongholds, casting down arguments, and every high thing that exalts itself against the knowledge of God, bringing every thought into captivity, into the obedience of Christ. Is that powerful or what? So this whole word, stronghold, is a word that was used to describe like a fortress or a prison. And so in a prison that's secured, prisoners can't get out and rescuers can't get in. And what he's saying is that, and he's, he's likening these things to thoughts, interestingly enough. And he's saying that your, your, your belief system, your mindset, that as you be, if you think according to the world and according to its kingdom principles, that your belief system begins to form in such a way where he actually refers to it as it becomes a stronghold. It becomes a prison of a framing in your mind in which you see certain things that now you can't get out of and the word of God, unless, it, unless you allow it to, God's will can't get in and change that. But he says that we have the authority to pull those strongholds down, which is a violent type of uh, description. If you read it, it's like in serious warfare. It's like a violent, aggressive type of behavior. He's saying like, when you begin to think about things in the wrong way, or there's already a belief system that's kind of rooted in your mind that's totally opposed to what the word of God and the truth says, the word of God, when you take up that authority, that you literally like ought to rip that thing down and just pull that thing down, he's saying, because it, it exalts itself against the knowledge of God. So it basically takes a superior position in your mind and in your belief system to what the word of God would actually have which is obviously not the right place for us to be in, but we have the authority, says, to rip down, to pull down that stronghold and to take that thought captive. So as we are in the word and God is transforming our mind and we're having more of the mind of Christ, when a thought flies in or something comes at you and you begin to think more in line with the world than with, with the heaven, heaven's kingdom, you recognize that. It's like seeing a white speck on a black cloth, like you notice it. No, that's, a, that's not a thought from heaven. That's not a thought that lines up with God's kingdom. Absolutely not. I'll, I'm going to take that thing captive. I'm going to break that thing down. That's not going to build itself up in my mind. That's not going to take on a fortress or a fortitude in my thought life. I'm going to rip that thing down violently, and I'm going to see the proper view constructed here that's in line with what the Word of God says. But many times, people are living in a way, I'm just saying, guys, people are living in a way where they're living according to strongholds that have been built from years and years of past experiences that they don't even realize exist. They don't even know that they're there. And as a result, they are imprisoning, they are keeping them in a place where they're consistently thinking about things in a way that opposes what the Word of God says, and then that actually becomes their reality. And, and so we have to look at that and say, look, 
as I read the word of God and his truth, which is sharp and penetrable and sharper than a two-edged sword, cutting to the division of the joints and the marrow, discerning of spirits. As I read that, that word of God goes right into the deepest construct of my mind, of my brain, into things that scientists can't even really figure out or gaze upon, right? A creation of God. It goes into there and it totally can rip down and break down all of those false pretenses, all of those improper views from years and years of experience or living in rebellion or sin and begin to immediately form a new construct of a view, a mentality that's in line with what God says in his word about who I am. And as a result of that, from that point on, my thoughts are enriched. My thoughts are consistent with God's thoughts and ways, and my actions, my behavior, and my destiny will continue to unfold in like manner as a result of that. Are you with me? Isn't that amazing? Let me read that one more time. For though we walk in the flesh, we do not war according to the flesh. So look, again, self-help, positive thinking, it's good, but if, it's, if that's it, if that's where it stops, like, that's like warring in the flesh, right? He's saying we, don't, we can't war in the flesh. Our weapons are not uh, of this world. He says weapons of our warfare are not carnal, but mighty in God. That word mighty is another word with power. That's where power is used. Mighty in God or power in God for pulling down or ripping down, yanking down strongholds, casting down any argument and every high thing that would exalt itself against the knowledge of God and bring every thought into captivity to the obedience of Christ. It's your thoughts say, no, you obey what the word of God says. You obey the mind of Christ that's living in me, thought life, that when you take control of that and you steward that, that your thoughts literally have to begin to obey what the mind of Christ that's in you and operating says. Isn't that amazing? Blows me away. Stand to your feet.